This is a CBC Podcast. Teachers in Saskatchewan continue to walk off the job in search of a new contract. Rotating strikes were held again yesterday in a number of school divisions. The government says the only deal will be found at the negotiating table. What will it take to get two sides back there? For more on that and the latest scandal on the government's back benches, we've reached our political panel. Adam Hunter covers politics for CBC Saskatchewan when he's not helping me out here. And Murray Mandrick writes a column in the Regina Leader Post and they join us every week at this time. Hi, guys. Good Good morning. morning. Adam, what's the latest with teachers? It's where where we've been for the last number of weeks now. You mentioned the rotating strikes happening, uh, you know, outside of Regina and Saskatoon. So, you know, more media attention, I think, uh, on the communities like Prince Albert, Battleford, Swift Current, Moose Jaw, uh, some of the places where those rotating strikes were happening. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the government's saying we're not doing anything on class size and complexity. That's been the major sticking point over the last number of weeks and months even. And the teachers staying standing firm that we're not going to go back to the table unless that's on the table. And so uh, we're kind of at this, you know, stalemate the staring contest where uh, the teachers will continue, I think, rotating strikes. That's sort of been what they've indicated. And uh, you would presume that it will be the other communities. We haven't announced that today. Last Friday, they announced where they were, what they were doing next. They've typically been giving, you know, parents and others, uh, you know, a few days warning so they can make uh, alternative arrangements. This is our first, like, uh, like late in the week uh, rotating strike. It's been Monday or Tuesday. So we'll see what happens next. And uh, Jeremy Cockrell, you know, moments after that news, that news came out he put out a little uh you know graphic on his social media which i is think all, i've seen that graphic a few times facts or fiction of the myth, teacher yeah, yeah. myth busting mm, right. and a lot of the mlas are doing similar ones uh so they have a whole s- slate of those graphics that they kind of put out there to let people know and then the teachers come back with their own so it's right. kind of a graphic uh fight <laughs> and press release fight at this point memes are cheaper than billboards though yeah. so that's one thing marie are these rotating strikes enough to get the teachers what they want why not a full-on walkout uh, because it's ineffective in terms of uh, of whom you may upset being parents in public opinion and and that's what this battle is about you know the the government wants to keep this issue that's why they're putting out the graphics that Adam referred to about wages and their calculation of the wages and they don't want to do with this issue it's groundhog day Jeremy uh, Cockrell woke up saw his shadow and it's another six months of not dealing with classroom com- complexities and that's just simply the way it's going to uh, be because they have an election coming up and it's going to be costly to deal with that so they want to make this about wages and in turn that means the teachers want to make it about keeping public opinion on their side. So they have to be really kind of careful about extracurricular activities and which you know, whether you're going to cancel a basketball tournament or uh, you know going out on full strike as opposed to just rotating strikes. Uh, they have to make their message because they're getting a lot of support. If you look at that Insightrix poll, a surprising number of people actually gain support for the teachers uh, as opposed to gain support for the government since it's happened. And I think they want to keep it on in the teachers want to keep it that way because that's the best way to keep pressure on. But that's where it becomes very difficult. So I think Adam said it was a bit of a stalemate, and I think it is. We have another government MLA charged with a crime this week, now sitting as an independent. What can you tell us about this, Adam? This is Greg Lawrence, who was elected in 2011, Mushal Wakama MLA for the Saskatchewan Party, uh, always a backbencher, never in cabinet. Uh, but he announced in September that he wouldn't run again after a motorcycle accident in August, so he wouldn't seek re-election. And then uh, a couple of days ago, we came out through the Saskatchewan government, uh, Party caucus uh, that he was stepping away from caucus on his own, resigning because of a police investigation that's 
we didn't know anything else. So we reached out to the government for a comment. We reached out to the government for an interview with someone. And a few hours later, we found out from Mushtaq police that he was charged with assault and assault by choking. Uh, it relates to an investigation that started in June of last year, but we don't know when this took place. We know that it was between in, in, two individuals. We don't know who the uh, alleged victim is. And Greg Lawrence uh, will appear in court in March. Uh, we don't haven't heard much from him other than uh, when we reached out to him and is off through his office. We were told that he was away recovering from that motorcycle accident. Do want to point out that Greg Lawrence was around the last fall sitting. He wasn't uh, not at the legislature. He did miss some time, but he was there uh, from time to time. So we did see him. Uh, but we don't have a lot of uh, information. And apparently the Premier didn't have much either. He put out a statement uh, after the charges saying he just learned about the charges when the media did, when it became public, and then uh, said he was deeply concerned by the news. You believe that the Premier didn't know till we knew? I absolutely do not believe the Premier did not know. Uh, We saw two specific statements come out from government, one from caucus, one from government proper, uh, that were deliberately misleading uh, that uh, were saying things like there, this was a historic Historic issue. usually means decades ago. Usually means decades. I don't think it means Not decades. Last June. <laughs> yes. And, and then we had this bizarre, incompetently, just horribly worded uh, press release. My God, what these people are getting paid for, I don't know some days. But, but it, it was just uh, incredibly awkwardly worded about the premier only learning from the media or only being confirmed uh, – by the media today, what the hell does that mean? I don't know what that means. But he's not around to answer questions for it. Fortunately, we're not going to go away. And we're going to keep pursuing and asking questions on this particular issue because it is important. The simple uh, effort of either removing uh, Ryan Domitar from caucus, who had his charges stayed yesterday, or uh, removing uh, Greg Lawrence the day before he's charged is probably not satisfactory enough. There really is a question of who knew what went and why why did you not deal with this issue sooner? The government had the audacity to basically go on, we're not going to be deterred from uh, uh, continuing on on issues like uh, uh, violence against women and and uh, and uh, other issues related to violence uh, to violence in general. Well, who's deterring you? Your only MLAs they're getting charged. Like it's it, it's it's patently ridiculous at, at this particular point that the premier is not speaking on it's cowardly to be honest with you because that is his job. He is responsible for these people to uh, come forward and hiding behind a really badly worded uh, press release by an overpaid uh, uh, communication staff is not going to do it this time. You really need to start addressing these issues. And meanwhile, I guess we're paying for these two men to sit as independents until the next election unless they quit, right? Yeah, and I think that uh, they we fall into being too close to an election. We're only a few months away. And you'll recall that a few years ago, Warren Stanley and Corey Tucker uh, did not... Uh, have their their by-elections once they decided they were going to run for the federal conservatives and those seats sat empty because we were too close to an election. There were allegations that the government kind of did that on purpose so they wouldn't have to have two by-elections subsequently uh, have lost that Regina Walshaker seat uh, after a second election and by-election. So um, yes, we can still see, we could still see Ryan Dormitor and Greg Lawrence in in the legislature seeing as independents. That's that's hard to imagine wanting to go into their MLA offices as a a constituent. Like it's 
Well, and, and use this process to do so because if, if the way the process works is constituencies offices get tremendous collective support from the caucus because that's how things oh, yeah. things work, and that's uh, we had a little problem with little money sharing right, 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 thirty right. years ago, uh, and and this is this is the problem. So how effective can these guys be as MLAs right now? And yeah, they should resign, but there's nothing compelling them to resign uh, legally. I was around in the days when they had to get Colin Thatcher out of the legislature because he didn't resign after being convicted of murdering his wife. And there was a considerable uh, kerfuffle over getting him out. So like, I mean, it, 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 it's terribly problematic at this particular point. And again, that's another reason why I think the government just simply has to address these issues, saying, oh, gee, he's not our, not our caucus member. He's not our problem anymore. No, that's not good enough. We also heard this week, of course, recommendations from the coroner's inquest into the mass stabbing at James Smith Cree Nation and in Weldon. What does this mean for the provincial government? It's a really good question because uh, almost all of the recommendations uh, spoke specifically to issues that would be first federal government issues. So uh, Correctional Service of Canada, RCMP, yeah. even uh, issues on the First Nation itself. Uh, but they, there were things about, you know, uh, smaller, you know, uh, crime prevention teams, these warrant suppression teams, the, you know, the drug task force that the government, provincial government does give money to for the RCMP to go and try and, uh, you know, deal with some of these issues. Uh, I spoke with the Minister of Justice yesterday and asked her about this, and she said the government would be looking at the recommendations and working with uh, the community leaders and others to try and see where they fit into this. Uh, but when you listen to the, the press conference yesterday from the FSIN, AFN, and the leaders of the First Nation there and the RCMP were at that, a lot of it was, we need funding from the federal government, we need communications, but they also need it from all levels of government. So uh, I think it's a complicated um, issue, and it maybe doesn't directly affect the provincial government in this case, but they will be in involved in some, some way or another. And lots of talk about policing and so on, right? Which the government has, you know, waded into yep. with its own force and so on. And as Adam says, different teams. Well, it, it, Adam is right. There's a lot of issues here that don't touch on provincial jurisdiction because they're federal corrections or historic. And there's only so much any active provincial government can do about uh, about the historic issues that have contributed to these problems. Where I think they can start thinking in at least little broader terms is things like their drug policy. Because if you look at the testimony uh, from James Smith and otherwise, if you look at any reserve, any small town, uh, and certainly any big city, there is a massive drug epidemic out there that they're not addressing in the most effective way. In fact, right now, given their policies that we talked about recently in terms of what they're doing in terms of needle exchanges. Scaling back a bit on harm reduction in favor of recovery. Yes. And they need to connect the dots because if you don't do that, then you're going to have more incidents like this. Now, that might not mean another Miles Sanderson. It might not mean anything violent like this. But what you're going to do is have a problem. You need to encourage people to come forward. I doubt Miles uh, Sanderson would have come forward, obviously, in, in terms of the situation. But there's other people in that were affected by this in terms of this. Yeah, this including was over... in intimate partner violence yes, happening, right? That, absolutely. Uh, you know, could have been possibly uh, dealt with sooner. It's funny how all these things are in connecting government, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And that's what government needs to start thinking about. That's why we need answers from government. It's They're, they're not there just to collect their paycheck. You mentioned Bronwyn Air, the justice minister. And Adam, you also talked to her about big sweeping changes to the province's Human Rights Commission. What's the latest? Yeah, full-scale change. And it's uh, something that critics have said is fairly unusual for a board to have everyone uh, taken, out, you know, taken out at one point. Uh, there, She said there's certain factors. The chief, interim chief commissioner, Barry Wilcox, 
Hendricks had been there since 2011. He retired on January 31st, so I had to replace him. Heather Katai, who has uh, stepped down very you know publicly, yeah. been in opposition to the naming and pronoun policy in schools. She was had resigned. She had to be replaced. Another person resigned due to a retirement. So they had three uh, standing um, uh, commissioners left, and. Prominent Air said they'd been there since at least 2015, so we needed to refresh. We found like this was the right time. The people that are in are all qualified. When I talked to Heather, she said, "Well, you know, in my experience, you have corporate memory. You have people that can pass on some knowledge that can even help them transition to the new, uh, to their new roles." And so that was sort of a raise some eyebrows. Prominent Air said that you know there's still staff there. Like this, the, the commissioners don't run the Human Rights Commission, the staff does, and they meet you know, periodically throughout the year, and obviously the chief commissioner gets a big salary and will have more responsibility and issue these releases. People may remember that Barry Wilcox and the other commissioners after Heather had stepped down uh, issued a release the day before the government passed its uh, legislation on Bill 137 saying that you shouldn't do this, that you should pause and work with us. And um, so that was kind of a big thing and one of the things, the last things that they'd done that really got a lot of news. What do you make of this? Well, there's a lot of noise uh, on social media from partisans and axe grinders about political implications, uh, issues related to uh, these people having donated. And uh, to, to some extent, this criticism is valid in the sense that this was the same commission that put forward a letter critical of Bill 137 in the middle of this. Uh, Heather Katai resigned over this very issue and such. I don't particularly buy into the notion that just because you made a political donation and you're a lawyer on a quasi-judicial board that you're going to be influenced. But what I do think is going to happen right now because of the way the government handles this, because of the way Minister Eyre has handled this, and she does have some valid points, she is putting the commission in a position where they have to reprove themselves. And there's going to be all kinds of scrutiny on this commission, all kinds of eyes on them after Bill 137. And I can't blame a lot of people coming forward with complaints, seeing these political connections or otherwise, basically at least raising questions. These are questions that the commission itself will now have to answer. And as I say, I don't think the government's put them in a great position to be able to do that effectively. Thanks very much, you guys. You're You're welcome. welcome. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.